Why do we believe that miracles have not ceased? In the Church of Jesus Christ, we believe that God continues to do miracles today, just like he's done all throughout history. Not all churches believe that, not all people believe that. So why do we believe that in the Church of Jesus Christ? Okay, well, Brother Jared, I might comment on that, that uh, I mean, this is a case where uh, we can see uh, information about that in the in the Book of Mormon that doesn't appear in the Bible, which helps to make it clearer. And plus, we have our own observed miracles that we uh, have observed and, uh, and we continue to experience so just uh, speaking from a scriptural perspective to begin, you know, if you read just the, the Bible, there's many instances of miracles there in the, the Old Testament and the, the New Testament. You see Jesus performing many miracles. Uh, at one point, he was sending out his 12 apostles on a, on a mission, and he, he then authorized them to do miracles just like he did. Uh, when, when the Apostle Paul came on the scene, uh, he was able to do miracles. So you see many of those throughout the New Testament. Now, as you stated, some believe that that was the end, that miracles were only for that time. And, and I have read some Christian writers who, who believe that, who say that, that the miracles were just for the time of the, of the, the Bible. Right? However, when, the, when you read one verse and the Bible gives you a hint and then it's enlarged upon in the Book of Mormon, is a verse that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when you hear that, well, wait a minute, if the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever, why would he only do miracles at one time and not another? And uh, the, the part that especially addresses that in the Book of Mormon is found in Mormon chapter 9. Okay, there's a, there's a few verses there, which I, I can just read those verses and then comment on it. Beginning at verse 9, it says, For do we not read that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And in him there is no variableness, neither shadow of changing. And now, if you've imagined up unto yourselves a God who doth vary, and in whom there is shadow of changing... Then have ye imagined up unto yourselves a God who is not a God of miracles. And now, all ye that have imagined up unto yourselves a God who can do no miracles, I would ask of you, have all these things passed of which I have spoken? Is the end come yet? Behold, I say unto you, Nay, and God has not ceased to be a God of miracles. Who shall say that it was not a miracle that by his word the heaven and the earth should be, and by the power of his word man was created of the dust of the earth, and by the power of his word have miracles been wrought? And who shall say that Jesus Christ did not do many mighty miracles? And there were many mighty miracles wrought by the hands of the apostles. And if there were miracles wrought then, why has God ceased to be a God of miracles, and yet be an unchangeable being? And behold, I say unto you, he changeth not. If so, he would cease to be God. And he ceaseth not to be God, and is a God of miracles. And the reason why he ceaseth to do miracles among the children of men is because that they dwindle in unbelief and depart from the right way and know not the God in whom they should trust. So, as these verses state, if God is an unchanging God, why would he perform miracles in one time and then stop doing it at some point after that? And also, as the last verse states, which I think is important as well, if God were to ever stop doing miracles, it would be because of our unbelief, not because he's retired from the miracle business. I could also add that in our, my personal life, I've witnessed... Miracle, miraculous uh, uh, response to prayer, like a tumor. A person was had a cancerous tumor, and they were anointed. And the next time they went to the doctor, it was gone, and the doctor had no explanation. That I've I've uh, heard testimony of multiple times. Um, I've witnessed where uh, a fetus was declared dead by a doctor, and the mother uh, after some uh, weeks 
uh, was experiencing uh, the symptoms of a, of a, you know, that would go along with that. She came for prayer. She was anointed. And lo and behold, the baby returned to life and was born. So these things happen in modern times, which confirms the same kind of things that we read of in the scriptures. So I think most Christians would agree that the greatest miracle that could happen is, is a soul being saved through the atonement of Christ. So if that's really the, the main thing, if that's really what this life is about, what is even the purpose of miracles? Why does God perform them? That's a great question, and, uh, and I believe there is a purpose in them, right? And uh, in fact, there's a couple different possible purposes. Now, sometimes, I mean, God performs miracles just out of compassion, Right. For example, when Jesus was in America with the Nephites, right, he offered to heal their sick because of compassion. However, it's important to, to me to realize that that only happens sometimes. Okay, see, I hear, sometimes hear people make what I feel is a mistake by saying, oh, if God loved me, he would do this for me, or, or God must not love me because I'm not getting a miracle or an answer to my prayer that I want. Okay, that, that's not the case. God already illustrated his love by sending his son to die for us, and that, that was the, the greatest love that he could have shown, that uh, we have the opportunity for salvation, as, as you've uh, suggested. That's the, the greatest miracle of all, is that we're able to be saved in the kingdom of God. So we all have that if we've given our, our life to Christ. So we've already had that happen, and the others is just more like a, a bonus, if you will. right? But I, I think that the uh, a lot of times, though, the purpose of miracles, when it's not for a compassion uh, purpose, is to illustrate that the Lord has the power to forgive our sins, right? Because it's easy to say, well, oh yeah, okay, your sins are forgiven. Now you're on your way to heaven, right? But uh, how do you know that? You know, it's, there's no nothing we can see that would indicate that. And the to me, the best illustration of that is the story in, in the Bible where uh, the people were carrying the, the sick man on the, the mat and they couldn't get in the house and they lowered him through the ceiling and Jesus walks up to the man and says, your sins are forgiven. And everyone's saying, what? What, what, what do you mean? Right? But then he, he uh, clarifies, he says that uh, what would be easier to say, your sins are forgiven or arise and walk. And then finally he says, to illustrate or to demonstrate that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins and take up your, your bed and walk. And the man did exactly that. So he, he stated the purpose. This is to show that I have the ability to forgive sins. So I, I believe a lot of times that that's the purpose of miracles, right? That we can see and others can see that God has the power. Because if you're, uh, if you're seeing that and you're witnessing that, right, then you know that, wow, we pray, God listens, and he can do something. So if he can do that, then certainly he is telling the truth when he says he can forgive our sins and we can have faith. And it, keeps, it both keeps us on the right path and allows those who are unbelievers to hopefully then say, wow, there is a power and, and we, there is a God and we speak and he listens and answers prayers. So then they'd be more likely to believe that he can forgive their sins and would come to Christ. Yeah, Brother Jerry, that's a wonderful example. And, and there's countless examples throughout the scripture, whether it's in the Bible or the Book of Mormon, where, you know, Jesus healed. Uh, he performed a miracle. He, he uh, demonstrated that power. And, and as a result, it was to the convincing of others that they might be drawn to him, right? And you think about the, the, uh, the Samaritan woman, you know, where he meets her at the well and they begin to have this dialogue. And ultimately she says, well, it's almost as though you can read my mind. You know all these things. How do you know all of this? And he reveals to her, you know, I'm the son of God. And, and there's, that, there's that dialogue of a convincing of her heart. And ultimately that's the purpose. It's to demonstrate the power of God Sometimes it's through a healing. 
Sometimes it's through uh, that that uh, touching of, of someone's heart to convicting them, but ultimately it's to draw others. And, and, and that Samaritan woman says, ran back telling everyone that she could, this was the Christ, the son of the living God. I've met, I've met him. Come, hear what he has to say. And that's ultimately what we would want for anyone who witnesses a miracle or is, is a, a participant in a miracle, that they might be able to give honor and glory to God and recognize that he would be glorified, he would be magnified, that others would be drawn to him. It sounds like, while some might say a supernatural miracle might detract from the miracle of our salvation, actually, in a lot of these examples that you're referencing, it actually points to Christ, and it proves the truth of his word, and that he truly is the Son of God. Even the resurrection of Christ is one of the greatness, greatest uh, proofs that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, because who else could have done that? Uh, and one other verse I, I thought of um, is Mark chapter 16, verse 20. After uh, Christ sends out his apostles, it says, They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So again, it's confirming the truth of God's word and pointing to Christ versus detracting from that. Yeah, and if you think about the opposite, without it, you can profess and say, well, thus and so, but how much more does it reinforce the message with the demonstration of the power of God? Without it, they're just empty words. The good words, truthful words, but with it, it helps to reinforce the truth behind it. I've often said that really the miracles uh, you know, demonstrate the power of God being with the church, and that uh, that's an important uh, point, as Brother Frank was suggesting. I mean, otherwise, you know, we may have like a nice organization and everybody likes each other and we have a good time when we get together. But there's lots of organizations like that, right? If you want it to be the church of Jesus Christ, it needs to be the demonstration that the Lord is, is part of the church also. Brother Jerry, you already touched on this, but maybe if you if you want if anyone wants to expand on it, we were talking about why doesn't God grant every request for a miracle? This is another case where the way it's worded in the Bible being different than the way it's worded in the Book of Mormon, right, that the Book of Mormon part becomes clearer. Like, for example, in the Bible it says, in all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Right? Now, if you just read that, they'll say, wow, so that's telling me that anything that I ask for, I'll receive. But in the Book of Mormon version of that verse, it says, whatsoever thing you shall ask the Father in my name, which is good, in faith believing that you shall receive, behold, it shall be done unto you. Right, so it, it just throws in those few words, which is good. So, in other words, it's recognizing that we need to trust God to determine whether it's the right thing or, or not. And I'd add to that as well, Brother Jerry, that obviously faith is a significant component to that. There has to be an element of belief, and that that's even possible that that uh, and a desire to want these things. And I've often said, you know, just in conversation, you, you know, we can't think of the Lord as a, a genie in a bottle where I, I get three wishes, and I can get whatever I want out of him. Um, you know, this is about the will of God and being aligned with the will of God. And as Brother Jerry mentioned, you know, we talk about that which is good. Well, there's a lot of good things. But ultimately, it comes down to God's will, his supremacy, and, and our submissiveness to him. And you know, so all these things, I think, tie together when we think about, well, why isn't there a miracle always performed? Why doesn't God always answer our prayers, you know, et cetera? Um, you know, his ways are above our ways, and, and the scriptures are very clear in that. And it's hard for us to comprehend the, the big picture, if you will, the full plan of God. We're given 
little understanding here and there. We're given slivers and slices. And from time to time, we understand the perfect will of God. But um, boy, to walk in that on a, on a regular basis has been given to only but a few uh, throughout the ages of time. And, and yet, we recognize that our love for the Lord isn't a function of, well, if I don't get this from him, then I'm not going to believe in him anymore, or I'm not going to love him anymore. You know, it's that way in our relationships in this life as well. You know, when we have a relationship with someone, a, a spouse, a, 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 you know, a, a friend, we don't always get everything we want both ways, but we still maintain that relationship because we care about them, we love them, we, we, we recognize the importance of it. And it's the same way with the Lord. You know, he, he loved us. He died for us. And as a result, everything that we receive, whether it's many miracles or only the miracle, as we've spoken of, of that hope of salvation and the gift of salvation and to believe in him, if that's all that I ever receive, that's sufficient. Everything else is a bonus. Everything else is extra. It's icing on the cake. It's sprinkles. It's toppings. But we've got what it takes in knowing that Christ is the Son of God. He died for our sins. He resurrected on the third day. And that, that I've made a covenant to love and serve him all the days of my life. That's what the Lord wants for all of us. What you were saying makes me think of the Apostle Paul. Um, because we, you know, he performed many miracles, healed many people. Yet he had this thorn in his flesh that he talks about in 2 Corinthians 12, and he asked three times for the Lord to remove it. And God basically said, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And so in that case, God said, yeah, sometimes there's a miracle that's going to point people to Christ and give more glory to God. Sometimes it's through enduring a difficulty or enduring a situation that more glory will be given to God. Um, and, and that's like what you guys said about uh, trusting in, in the Lord to, to have that to know what's good and what's not. Yeah, it's important that we always remember that the only one who sees the whole big picture, not only everything at one at the present time, but everything in the future and for eternity, the only one who sees that is God. And he wants us to trust him that he loves us and he has our best interests at heart and, and that he will act. If we're faithful to him, he will act in our best interests. And it's hard for us to understand that in the context of some things that go on in this life, which we know that this life normally is temporary. It normally is, is uh, a struggle. It normally is uh, loaded with all kinds of possible afflictions, and etc. Th those, are, those are things that are part of this life, and that's the life that we lead. And our purpose in this life is to prove faithful to the Lord so that we can have life eternal with him. Uh, before we wrap up, I was just wondering if any of you brothers wanted to share any miracles that you've witnessed or been a part of. So I have to ask you, Brother Jared, how, how many hours do we have in this program now? Okay. <laughs> To me, the a cornerstone miracle of my family, you know, occurred when when my when my grandparents met the church, right, that they, uh, they they totally believed in the power of God was in this church, and really took it maybe to an extent that none of us would do today. That uh, they they had an accident that uh, my grandfather was backing his car out of his driveway and, and ran over his son who. Uh, 18 months old, standing behind the car, he ran over him and crushed his legs. And uh, so, instead of taking him to the hospital, they brought him in the house and laid him on the bed and prayed and and, and left him there. Right. So, as I say, today that would be uh, very much frowned upon. Right. But what happened 
then is my grandfather went to work my grandmother went in the kitchen and started doing her work and a short time later she feels a tug at her house dress and there's her little boy is walking and, and is fine right? his legs were healed i mean they had been totally crushed at the knees and the, by the heavy car and he was totally healed now that sunday in church i mean she was praising god for a great miracle in their life and my grandfather was actually almost a little embarrassed because maybe he hadn't seen the whole thing so he kind of told her you know you kind of maybe overdid that i mean a little accident but uh, you know everything is okay well see that that night as he tells the story i mean he was uh, laying in bed and he heard uh, a, a tapping at his window i guess he had a first floor bedroom and he went over to the window and opened the window and there standing outside the window was uh, was a man basically an angel but it was a man holding two shopping bags and in one bag was the baby's legs and the, the other bag was the rest of the, the baby and said but for the grace of god this would be your son right so then he knew that that, that was a miracle and so you know we, we we grew up hearing that miracle that little boy grew up to be uh, my father right so had he been killed or paralyzed i may have never been born so, uh, so you know, I praise God for that. that was, so that's an example of a healing of, of the body, right, which was a, a clear miracle. When I was a boy, I had a, a, an injury. It was, you know, just playing with kids, and somebody threw a stick, and it came into my ear. And, uh, and we were playing. We were playing like we were in Africa, and he was throwing a spear at an animal, and it just went awry. So it was intentionally thrown with force, and it cut my ear. And uh, I, my, I ran home bleeding like crazy. And my mother, we had no second car. My dad wasn't home. My mother tried. She was putting compresses on. She was doing what she could. And she said, this thing is wide open. It needs stitches. Which, of course, I just started screaming. And she really didn't have any convenient way to get to the hospital. So she just prayed. And when she finished praying, the, the bleeding stopped. And I was, a, I don't know, seven or eight years old. And that... Those are the kinds of things like Jerry's uh, grandfather. Those are things that you could never convince. No way could you convince Brother Jerry's father that there's no such thing in miracles in modern times. And I feel the same way. And, and after you have those things happen in your life, you can hear all the rationales and science that you want or whatever you want to use to, to dissuade. It won't work. We just believe in the power of God. And, and I, along with my brother's, I could go on and on. I think Jerry said, how many hours do we have? We could go on and on uh, testifying of the power of God manifest in miracles in modern times. Thank you so much, brothers, for, for sharing your testimonies, for sharing the scripture, the word of God with us. And for those watching, if you enjoyed this, make sure you subscribe, like the video. We're going to do more of these. And so we hope you'll tune in the next time. Mm -hmm.